African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. And uh, this is Channel Africa, the African Perspective. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Thank you for joining us. Remember, we come to you every Monday uh, to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time to, big up, to speak about the big uh, subjects on the continent. Well, today we're looking at this environmental story. Last week, South Africa's constitution court declared that rhino horns could be traded legally in eight years. This comes after the court dismissed an appeal by the country's Department of Environmental Affairs to keep a ban on rhino horn trade. South Africa's private rhino owners association with other plaintiffs have been embarking on a five-year court battle plan which first came into force in 2009 that made it illegal to trade rhino horns. But to look at this, we joined on the line by Pilham Jones who's joining us from uh, the South Africa's Private Rhino Owners Association as well as Kim Caribiera uh, who is from the outraged South African Citizens Against Rhino Poaching. And I'm going to start this with uh, Pilham because you have been embarking on this very long, long uh, journey for you which is to actually see uh, the legal uh, trade of uh, a rhino horn. Uh, tell us a little bit about this journey, Mr. Jones. Good morning to you, Benjamin, and thanks for asking me to be on your your, your, your show. Okay, so the, it's been a long uh, um, um, battle, for want of a better word, insofar as as long ago as, as 2009, we as an association felt uncomfortable about the moratorium for a whole number of reasons. Uh, one of the one of the more fundamental ones being that it is in, in in violation of our constitutional rights of sustainable utilization. But I can assure you, at the time, none of us were in what's list referred to as the rhino horn trade. We were committed rhino conservationists, mm. and we looked around and we asked ourselves: So, what has been achieved under the 1977 CITES ban, and what has been achieved under the South African moratorium? Mm. Is it saving rhinos' lives? Sadly not. To the opposite, we saw 23 range states lose all of their rhino. Of the 10 remaining countries in Africa still with rhino, you look at a country like Uganda with 13 rhino, Tanzania that used to have thousands of black rhino mm. are sitting between 60 and 100 odd, odd rhino, and so it carries on. So we came to the conclusion clearly, despite best efforts of more law enforcement, more anti-poaching teams, etc., etc. clearly it was not working. Demand management uh, uh, campaigns were not uh, uh, reducing the demand for rhino horn. So we then said, we need to think out of the box. We need to find, create a solution to bring funding back to pay not only for rhino conservation, um, but also to mitigate our horrendous uh, uh, management uh, costs 
that are associated uh, with, with the animal. So we uh, uh, did not look at this as being a trade opportunity. Mm. We simply saw it as a conservation initiative. Mm. Kim, let me come to you in terms of some of the points that uh, Pelham highlighted there. And you can't kind of uh, dismiss the fact that uh, making it illegal to trade rhino horns hasn't uh, mitigated uh, illegal trade and also the poaching of rhinos. And what are your thoughts around uh, this decision by the constitutional court? Accords that uh, South Africa embarks on uh, uh, the legal trade of uh, uh, rhino horns. Well, we've, uh, we're, we're opposed to it um, mm. for a good number of reasons. But um, Pelham brings up that um, it was, it's, ne- it's not to do with trade. Mm. It's to do with conservation of rhino. And... Um, uh, we don't believe that at all. Selling farm rhino horn is not going to reduce demand for wild rhino horn. Um, the Asian markets prefer wild product to farm product, um, and uh, this is just going to allow for a, a conduit of, of, of illegal trade uh, along with legal trade. The, the South Africa is not in a position to, at this point in time, um, regulate this trade. Um, as the Minister and the Department of Environmental Affairs admitted in their paper, well, stated in their papers to court, um, they said that they needed 18 months at least in order to put these, these processes in place and systems in place. Um, I think it's a very, we think it's disastrous for uh, the Ghana uh, population. Well, I want to come back to just uh, what you highlighted there. And you said something very specific there around that uh, uh, the market, especially the Chinese market, prefers wild uh, rhino horn to, to, a, to a farm rhino horn. Tell us a little bit about that aspect because I find that very interesting. There have been cases where um, a poached rhino, they will, they will actually remove an ear from a rhino or some other part of the rhino to prove um, that, the, that the rhino was actually a poached wild rhino mm. and not a farmed rhino. Um, the horn at the, at, the, at the base is a somewhat different color um, when, you, uh, when you've removed it to the, re- to, to the, to the rest of the horn. And the, a, a lot of the um, speculators in horn uh, like to be able to purchase that portion of the horn, which also signifies that it, was, it comes from a poached rhino. Mm. Palm, I want to come back to you in terms of, of that particular aspect of things because that, doesn't, that does complicate things a little bit, what uh, Kim is highlighting there, the fact that it seems like the market is very specific, especially the illegal market, on the type of horn that they want and that distinction between the wild rhino and the uh, maybe farmed rhino is uh, very interesting. Well, yeah, you know what, I get a little bit frustrated when I hear these animal rights uh, speculative uh, nonsense. These are individuals who own no rhino, have made very little positive contribution uh, towards uh, long-term rhino conservation, make statements like uh, conduits, cannot regulate, etc. Absolute rubbish. Um, We have the ability to determine, first of all, the origin of a horn by DNA. We are able to profile every horn by its physical description, its weight, its microchip, it has a ZA number. And what we have set up, or are busy setting up, within existing legislation of member and tops, is a system whereby 
rhino horns uh, of a origin can be determined and that we can identify a horn that has come from a crime scene or a so-called uh, uh, poached uh, um, animal. So when we talk about conduits and, 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 and rhino horn leaving the, 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 the country, absolute speculative rubbish. Um, and we are sick and tired. We've been hearing this since the early 90s. And has it brought solution? No, it hasn't. And it's interesting to note that if you talk to the rhino uh, conservation community, we all see it one way. But isn't it bizarre? We have these animal rights NGOs who try to, by misinformation, mislead the uh, public and, yeah. and, and, and spread uh, material, very little of it has ever been substantiated through any kind of peer review documentation, research studies or surveys. Mm. Uh, Kim, your thoughts on, on those views by Pearlham there? Okay, well, I've got a couple of questions for uh, uh, Pelham Jones. Um, one of which is, if we are looking at, at microchipping a rhino horn um, to allow it to be exported, then um, what happens if that horn is cut up when, after it's left the country? Um, then the other the other issue that I have is mm. that um, when when the when our horns leave South Africa and and under these regulations they are allowed to or the draft regulations they are allowed to leave uh, South Africa uh, for what is termed personal use. Um, what happens when that uh, reaches the the end country? Places like Vietnam don't. Mm currently have any sanctions in place for individuals who are no longer in possession of a hunting trophy or rhino horns mm. that they've exported to that country. Um, a little while back, the Vietnamese authorities did a follow-up on riding rhino hunting trophies in their country, and most of the permit holders either no longer had the trophies or were unable to account for them. Um, just the, the microchip issue, what, what, do you, what, do, what, is, what do you... the uh, people who support trade and mm. um, mm. envisage we are going to do to actually get around that. Mm. Uh, Poham, you want to answer some of those uh, factors there that were brought in by Kim? Yeah, well, again, unfortunately, misinformation because rhino horns are not being exported. There is no provision for rhino to be sent out or rather uh, horns. So the minister per Gazette Note 74 called for comment. No provision, no legislation is in place to allow for the export of rhino horn under this uh, for, 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 for personal possession. So therefore, we are creating a whole a storm in, in, in a teacup. The issue here is that there was a moratorium which has now been set aside by the Constitutional Court that allows for domestic trade in South Africa. If you wish to discuss international trade, that's a completely separate, but let's not blur the two uh, 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 lines here. All right. In all terms right. of... Mm. Yeah? Carry on, carry on, Pernam. I'm listening. I'm just... Uh, uh, in uh, terms of, 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 of CITES, well, it's the responsibility of the country, let's say Vietnam or mm. the USA, to where a, 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 a CITES product has been exported to ensure that the recipient of that permit is still in possession. And if that person is not in possession, then they must be charged, as, as has happened in the past, because that is a, a, a permit violation and that is a criminal offense. And we strongly encourage the persecution. 
of those kinds of individuals. Mm, well, that's the voice of Pilham Jones uh, joining us from South Africa's Private Rhino Owners Association. And also we have Kim Nerbiera, uh, who is from the South African Citizens Against Rhino Poaching. Very interesting insights, different views coming from both of them. And we'll explore them more uh, after our break. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think the issue of uh, legalizing uh, uh, trade of uh, rhino horns is something that's good or bad? Give us your thoughts at Channel Africa One. That's our Twitter handle or at African Dialogue. We'll get back to you after this and continue this uh, conversation. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbara Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noël Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, we are bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us here on our frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Remember, we also on DSTV, our DSTV channel is 802. That's the audio bouquet, 802 on the audio bouquet. And you can listen to us live via our streaming service on our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. You with me, right here on African Dialogue. And my name is Ben. Benjamin Mushatama, I'll be with you until midday at Central African time. With me is Pelham Jones, who is joining us from the Private Rhinos Owners Association, and Kim uh, Daribiera, who is from Outrage South African Citizens Against Rhino Poaching. And we're speaking about South Africa's constitutional court making it illegal within South Africa to trade rhino horns. And I want to start this part of the conversation with you, Pelham, because you highlighted something very interesting, and I thought it was uh, uh, something that I wasn't aware of, and it's something that's also not being spoken about within the media. The fact that this legalization is within uh, domestic trade, not international trade. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Is there a market for trade domestically? Well, certainly there was a trade uh, um, of rhino horn domestically uh, pre-2009. Um, subsequent to that, as you're aware, for the last seven years or eight years, we've been, been, been sitting under the moratorium. Now, with the sheer quantum of interest that has been uh, shown in rhino horn because of the poaching and what has been addressed at CITES and you know, international media coverage, etc., etc., it certainly has sparked a very strong um, interest. And we have received numerous phone calls um, and inquiries from individuals who wish to own rhino horn for different reasons, whether they be commodity speculators, investors, or um, individuals who are hoping at a time in the future that legislation will provide for them to be able to to, to export the, the horns. So we are coming from the angle that 
we being uh, um, private reserves, provincial as well as national reserves, have many, many tons of rhino horn um, in various stockpiles, currently absolutely worthless and providing no positive revenue stream to help cover our costs. Now, to give you an idea, from 2009 to to date, and despite, again, the rubbish that is presented by certain of these animal rights organizations, we, the private sector, have expended over 2 billion rand. That's billion, not million, billion rand in, in, in the management and security of our rhino. We're a very, very committed conservation uh, community and hold, hold our heads high in the fact that we are looking after a third of South Africa's rhino. That's over 6,500 animals and more than the rest of Africa combined. So we're playing a key role in the conservation of these animals. And so, therefore, we, we would see now from this domestic trade revenue coming in to be able to assist us. So to answer your question, there very definitely is a, a, a market, and we are busy setting up a, um, a, a trade desk or a selling organization to facilitate uh, these kinds of uh, uh, sales on behalf of our members. Mm, Kim, let me bring that point to you from your own views. And I, I, I just would warn Mr. Perham Jones not to call your views rubbish if he disagrees, just to say he disagrees. But coming to you, Kim, in, in terms of uh, this issue of domestic trade, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts around that? And does it not actually uh, create an environment where we do see um, this illegality? From my perspective, I would think this would actually exacerbate things in terms of the illegal trade bit? Because how do you control what's being exported if people within the country are actually have those particular uh, rhino horns? I'm, I'm just still trying to figure that out. Now, I'll bring that back to Mr. Jones after you answer that. Um, I, thank you. Um, yes, we have very porous borders. We have a, a huge issue in South Africa as far as corruption is concerned at every level. So to imagine that um, even if we only traded domestically, that the horns would remain within South Africa's board, South Africa borders, is I think being a little bit naive. Um, the other um, issue that I'd like to raise is that the the, um, the, uh, the minister definitely includes um, the export of a rhino horn for personal use, which is basically exporting it. Um, in her draft regulations, and she, so it's not as though our domestic trade and, and these draft regulations were put in place specifically uh, to regulate our to regulate domestic trade. So I'm not sure how Mr. Pennant Jones believes that the two aren't actually married. Um, we really, you know, abalone is an example where you have a legal trade in abalone, and we've been poached out of out of out of the out of the sea. So, I I and a legal market just allows for an illegal illegal market to flourish. Um, I don't see how we can say that we are going to be able to regulate this, uh, definitely not at the levels of corruption that we have currently. Mm. Kim, do we know what the society's response was to this specific court ruling, or is it too early for us to actually... Um, well, they, they, they did issue something of a, um, a, a response uh, to, to, to the, to the uh, draft regulations, and one of the things that... You see, has nothing to do with uh, domestic trade, but sure. it does have to do with international trade. And one of the things that they said was that 
for the import permit and export permit to be issued, the management authority of the state of export had to be satisfied that the specimen was uh, that the uh, that the uh, import of the export would not negatively affect detrimentally affect the survival of that species. Mm. I don't believe that uh, we are in a position to to state that categorically. Mm. Let me bring that question that I gave to Kim, the fact that uh, how do you actually control the fact that these horns should remain in the country? It's very difficult to police that, even as a rhino association as yourself, because you wouldn't have that resource to make sure that these rhinos remain in the country. And, and doesn't that complicate things a little bit, that little factor? Okay, just to try once again to get a, a clarity here. The sure. first point is that there is a uh, there was a moratorium, sure. and the constitutional uh, court has set aside the moratorium. Sure. So therefore, legal trade can occur as of last uh, last week, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm. Separate to that, minister published per Gazette Notice seventy four for mm. public mm. comment draft regulations. In other words, they are not promulgated. They are still, it's a discussion document, it's a concept. Mm. That draft regulation does not allow for horns to be exported at this moment in time. It will only occur at a time in the future, should the minister say, per uh, promulgated gazette Mm. notice, we are now allowing for whatever, and in addition to which, will uh, condone, support the export of uh, rhino horn uh, for per- personal purposes. We were talking, I mean, I mean by the illegal, illegal, the illegal uh, exports. Right. I'm, I'm not ne- necessarily okay. talking about the legal one. So, no, I just wanted to clarify that sure, point. Sure. That, Thank that, you so that much, Mr. Jones. That at this moment in time, it's still work in progress. Sure, sure. Only, only um, leakage of horn uh, from uh, rhino owners. So we have set up um, a central uh, trade desk, but in addition to which all rhino horn uh, owners are encouraged to bring their horn to a central silo or depository where those horns go onto a stockpile database. No horn may be introduced to the database unless it has the correct history, DNA, ZA number, etc., etc., and then the horn is secured within the uh, the silo, and it, it may not leave the the uh, the silo. If, however, a rhino owner sells in a private treaty to a foreign national or a South African, it doesn't matter, and that person then takes the horn out of the country illegally. Well, that that person, because of the possession permit that he holds in South Africa, he is subject to audit from time to time. And if during the audit process mm-hmm. he cannot produce those horns, mm-hmm. he will be charged uh, criminally. And we okay. are advocating to all of our members under no circumstances sure, sure. into into shady deals to prevent the kind of leakage that you are referring to. Okay, that may brings a little bit of clarification there. We're speaking about uh, uh, South Africa's constitutional court decision, actually, uh, you know, really 
putting this uh, uh, decision also to allow uh, the trade of uh, rhino horns within South Africa, as was emphasized there by Mr. Pelham Jones. There, very interesting discussion. What are your thoughts? I know that uh, it has been told that the four-decade international ban in rhino horn trade remains in in force, and that's what was highlighted by Mr. Pelham Jones with his clarifications. They give us your thoughts on what you think. Do you think this is a good thing, or do you think this is something that will exacerbate uh, the illegal tra- the illegal poaching of uh, rhinos? Give us your thoughts. Plus two seven. Seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's our SMS number. Or you can give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. And uh, that's me, Benjamin Mushatama, with you right here on African Dialogue. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to continue this uh, final part of our conversation. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspectives. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. And the time right now is 11.31 Central African time. Thank you for joining us here on our program, African Dialogue. This is me, Benjamin Mushatama, speaking with Pelham Jones from the uh, Rhino Association. It's the Private Rhino Owners Association. And also we've got Kimda Ribeira, who is from Audrey, South African Citizens Against Rhino Poaching. Well, I want to come back to you, uh, Kim, and give you your, your insights in terms of uh, just the... I know that you're against this move, and it's very clear from uh, your views that it's something that could exacerbate uh, illegal trade and the poaching of rhinos. In terms of uh, those views, I want to know why you are so insistent on that particular view. And uh, I'm also interested in knowing that what evidence is there that uh, uh, keeping it illegal uh, will actually curb uh, poaching because that's not what we've seen as was highlighted by Mr. Jones. Okay, so bans do work. Um, it's not that they don't work. We have a level of corruption at, the, at this point in time in South Africa that is, is very problematic. Um, and in, a, in, a, in an environment like that, it, it would be very hard to actually uh, enforce the ban correctly. Um, if we had uh, proper law enforcement, if we had um, our judicial system meted out um, uh, sentences to rhino poachers and to rhino horned um, uh, syndicates, uh, that were relevant and 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 still sentences. We we we'd see that there would be a reduction in poaching. Um, the syndicates that drive these poaching uh, uh, 
uh, this poaching, they're not, they're involved in sorts of, all sorts of crime. It's transnational syndicates, it's not just the South African syndicates. Um, we're up against something that's really huge, and we should rather be looking at insisting that our government does what they are mandated to do and, 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 and bring these, 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 these criminals to book. What happens when there are no rhinos? if that's where it goes. Do, you, do, do we think that, they, that they're not going to find something else that they're going to poach? Our pangolin are in deep trouble. We can't harvest pangolin scales. We need to address the, the root, the, the cause of the problem, not the symptoms. Mm, well, let me take it to Mr. Pelham Jones. The same question, but from your perspective, in terms of uh, the fact that uh, how does legalizing the trade actually also help organizations such as yours? Do you have uh, some form of uh, evidence that it could actually uh, help with illegal trade and poaching? Okay, so Benjamin, we um, do not believe that prohibition or bans work. And I would challenge anybody to show me a ban, whether it be on alcohol, on drugs, um, on uh, illegal sale of weapons, actually works. They do not work. And um, it's interesting to note in a country like the U.S. that spent hundreds of billions of dollars on law enforcement on drugs. You can buy drugs in in any little hick town. So what we're saying here is because there's an illegal trade in, let's say, motor vehicles, do we now go and shut down all the motor manufacturers, Toyota, VW, Mercedes-Benz, no, we don't. We have to look at this aspect of, of corruption and put it in its correct context. So, yes, there is corruption. There's corruption in South Africa, in the U.S., in the U.K., and the rest of the world. There is corruption in large banks. We see corruption all over the world. So, again, we tend to fall back behind this boogeyman and say, because there's corruption, we cannot do anything. So we are simply saying that that's a reality of the environment that we exist in, and we have to look at ways of, of finding long-term solutions. So the South African government, through a, a, a very inclusive participation process, has developed a new security strategy, which is focused specifically to this environment of transnational wildlife crime. In other words, it's all-embracing, from pangolin, rhino, elephant, and so it carries on and on, to try to find bridges with all of our, uh, not only neighboring countries, but our, all African countries, to better manage this challenge and to reduce its, its, its impact. We are also only ever looking at, at short term. It's always easy to come with a higher level, level of call it discipline reaction. But are we seeing beneficiation going through to communities? As an example, you've heard me speak before about the urgent need to change colonial conservation strategies. I've said that on your show before. And here is yet another example. So by placing further restrictions, we're not able to do that. We are saying adjacent communities have to participate and benefit in rhino conservation projects. It is achievable when one starts to allow revenue stream coming in from, for example, the sale of, of rhino. So we're saying everything that's been applying in the past has not worked. We believe we can save the species. We are proving that by our own breeding figures um, and our uh, populations on private reserves are substantially growing. And we believe that this is the way forward. Mm. Well, I want to also come back to that issue of what happens to the rest of the rhino when uh, uh, the horn is sold, uh, Mr. Jones? Well, this is, again, one of those um, myths 
and mm. we, we have these uh, comparisons between elephant and rhino. Yeah. What makes rhino totally unique is that you are able with very minimal uh, uh, impact on the animal to dart it, remove the horn uh, surgically in the non-growth area. It was above the growth area, a little bit like cutting your fingernails. Mm -hmm. Give the animal the antidote. It stands up, and 20 minutes later, it carries on grazing as if nothing has happened. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. with elephant, you cannot do that. Okay. You have to kill the animal to actually get the, the, uh, the tusks. So it's a, it's a non-detrimental uh, procedure, and we're able to provide horn to the market through, through this dehorning exercise. Mm. Kim, let's wrap up this conversation. I've got a few minutes left. Uh, your final sentiments on uh, this conversation? I know you have a particular stand. Uh, maybe you want to maybe look at some elements that we haven't covered yet. Um, I just wanted to ask, well, I just wanted to bring up the fact that, uh, that uh, when a rhino is an ethotized darted to remove the horn, it is at risk. Um, and rhinos actually need their horn. That's why they've got one. Um, so I disagree with Pilum on those points. Um, I really, the, the, this trading rhino horn, for a start, domestically, the market cannot be that big. Um, and then secondly, it's going to make some members of the community wealthy. And it's it's not, to imagine that it's going to assist with um, community beneficiation. Um, I'm not sure how five rhino and the harvesting of five rhino horn is going to really assist a community, for example. So there are gaps in um, Mr. Pullen Jones' argument, I'm, as far as I'm concerned and as far as we're concerned. And um, we really believe that it's 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 not about it's not about conservation. This is not about conservation. This is just about money. And then your final sentiments, Mr. Mr. Jones. Well, I have to to quote you. Uh, respectfully disagree in the strongest terms. Um, insofar as we have walked our talk, we have spent uh, billions of rand conserving these, the, 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 these animals. Our actions are non-detrimental to the opposite. They are totally beneficial to not only the species. When one talks about uh, community beneficiation, I don't know where the figure of five rhino comes from. We're talking about substantive projects. We are talking about the sale of many tons of rhino horn, bringing in many millions of, 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 of dollars of, of revenue, which can benefit. And it's interesting to note that when you do an independent survey with private rhino owners, that 85% of members say, we want, we see this as the way forward. 5% said we are anti-trade and 10% were undecided. But yet now we, as the, 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 the call us the, um, the sheep farmers, are being told by those people who own those sheep as to how we are, 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 are to trade with our sheep and what we can and cannot do with the proceeds. It is illogical. And that's the very reason why the Constitutional Court threw out the application by DEA because it's in violation of our constitutional right and, in fact, our very uh, conservation rights as well. Well, that's how we wrap it up. Differing views coming there, but they help us as ordinary citizens understand a bigger a context of it. And thank you to both of our guests. Thank you to Kim Darabiera, who is from Outrage, South African Citizens Against Rhino Poaching. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you once again, Mr. Pelham Jones, who is from the Private Rhino Owners Association, for making time for us here at Channel Africa. We really appreciate both of you for giving us your time. Thanks, Benjamin.
That's how we wrap it up. It takes us to 11.41 Central African time. That's 11.41 Central African time. Uh, give us your thoughts. Remember, we're asking the question, do you think this is a good move or not? You can interact with us on our SMS line on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero, Or also send us your emails. Our in- email address is info at channelafrica.org. Let's take a quick break. There's some music. Let There Be Light by South African singer Lira. Do you realize nothing can ever be right until we choose to make it right? We can be the reason why we can keep a hope alive. We can be the right ones, the right ones for the task. We've been the missing part. So illuminate your light, starting with your own smile. You can be the spark. You can start the fire. Stop hiding in the dark Don't be overcome You have the right to choose your vibe Step into the light You can be the light Never hide your mind Let it shine bright
Wonderful voice there, Lira. That one is titled Let There Be Light. Well, that's how we wrap up our program today. We'll be back same place, same time, right here on African Dialogue. This is Channel Africa, the African perspective. Thank you for joining us uh, today and thank you for being part of our program. Remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time, meaning that we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, right here. Take me by the end, show me the way I can go. Take me by the end.